Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? My name is Ian Eskridge. You have tuned into White Sox Daily Live. Um, I'm here with my co-hosts, Danny Miller and Xavier Sanchez. Um, we are back from the COVID protocols, and uh, we're all rearing to go. Xavier's fine. Never, never had it, as far as I know. But uh, both me and Danny got smacked with it over the last two weeks. So yeah, uh, smacked is not even. Uh, that's not even the right word. It was. It was. Uh, it was a doozy. Let's just say that. I did not have fun either. Uh, that was uh, pretty rough. But uh, here we are. Um, so uh, I assume you're you're uh, feeling a little better there, Danny. Oh, a thousand percent better. Still, uh, still have some effects of uh, feeling gassed at work every now and again. But uh, other than that, doing uh, doing much much better. How about yourself? Yeah, uh, I you know I will say like the I, I was pretty much fine the entire time. The only thing that really got me was uh, I had a sore throat that was just absolutely brutal. And uh, like it, like days three and four that I was at home after uh i took a test a home test and uh like the sore throat just killed me man it's like i couldn't i couldn't sleep for like two nights because because of it and it just made it like uh fairly unbearable it was uh it was pretty brutal um but i also did hear something really interesting which i had absolutely no idea and it makes total sense because i felt like i had uh you know, I had a sore throat, but I also felt like uh, like I had like some sort of acid reflux thing going on. And so my next door neighbor tells me after, you know, of course, after I feel better, um, he tells me that people were told to take Pepsid AC during this particular strain of uh, of of the uh, virus because uh, there's apparently some sort of like a uh, acid reflux indigestion type thing that made sore throats worse. So um, it, that was good to find out afterwards. And um, I, I experienced a little bit of that myself. I wish I would have heard this sooner. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Xavier, how was uh, so you had to uh, postpone your trip to uh, yeah. to the Florida. So uh, how's your last week been? Uh, th- yes, it was a bit of a bummer. I was on the news this week as well, which was kind of hey. cool. I yeah, but I mean, news. you don't want to you, you don't incriminate yourself. Weird. I mean, like those uh, <laughs> you know those carjackings in Chicago. You don't you know you yeah. don't want anybody to know about that. No, for 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 good. I was I was on the news for for better, not for worse. Oh, hey, Very good. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Throw it out there, man. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, I was just, I had this post discussing, I don't know if you guys saw the thing about the Wisconsin and Northwestern fan. Uh, it's going back and forth, and there's just this gentleman being kind of racist towards these group of Asian Northwestern students. And they had made a, a post about it. And it got circulated a lot, and um, Natalie Martinez from Chicago, NBC5 reached out. And usually I don't like to like talk about these things too much. But this one, I was like, eh, it'd be interesting just to to voice an opinion on something that people are so like, uh, so like, on both sides about all the time. So we spoke about it, and then it was on the ten o'clock news. I think Thursday. All right. Well, I, I, I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need a clip, man. We we need a link. Uh, maybe I, we'll I did to... tweet out a link. I'll send you guys it in uh, a message later. 
I right saw, on. I did see the original tweet, uh, and I did see you say something about, uh, saw something, but my last couple of days have been pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it was pretty so. terrible. I, I just like came across this TikTok and I was like, man, this is, this is wild. And the, the guy who was making these gestures towards the students, he got, he got told, uh, like he did it all the first half and then he got asked to stop or they're going to have him leave. And, and then they end up kicking him out. And obviously he didn't get the memo because he continues as he's being escorted out to making the faces at these Northwestern students. And the guy looked not older, but older. Like he may be a college student, but he looks more like in the 30 age, like upper 20s, maybe 30. Hey, man. So he's uh, in the kids and the people he was go- making faces at were like 18 to 21 or whatever. So much younger than him. Listen, uh, bad people come in all shapes, ages, sizes, colors, races, creeds, and religions. So uh, it's an unfortunate thing, you know. But uh, I definitely am uh, happy to see that you, uh, you know, kind of took a stance. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you took a stance against that. You, uh, you put yes. your two cents in. So I think uh, I personally, when I, when you do send this link uh, later on, I personally am going to retweet that. So uh, for our listeners whether it be on the stream or uh when the podcast drops uh guys keep an eye on uh, on the on the twitters and i will uh, make sure that that link gets out there and we can get a peek at xavier speaking out against uh said gentleman so it was quite the whirlwind of a week some a, a week that started off low because i didn't go on my trip to get a high and being able to speak on something and it was an all right week well, fantastic. Good to hear it. It worked out. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad but, I didn't get COVID like you guys. Oof. Yeah. I'm happy you didn't, too. I'm, I, so you know what? I don't want anybody else to get it because it's, uh, it's not any fun at all. Um, yeah, Grimtall, thank you for the, uh, for the resub. Um, we here at uh, White Sox hey. Daily appreciate that. It goes uh, the TLR speed, speed walk slash uh, endurance yeah. run. There it goes. Yeah. So uh, Grimtall brings up something in the chat uh, that uh, we definitely want to get to. Uh, so I guess we can get to this part of it. We'll, we'll get to... Uh, so the MLBPA and MLB met today uh, for the first time in a few weeks um, to, f- to finally discuss uh, getting the players and uh, back on the field. And... Um, so, per uh, Evan Drellick at uh, The Athletic, um, the MLBPA uh, rescinded uh, their changes to um, changing free agency uh, eligibility to five years, and they're, they're still going to continue to keep it at six. So, that, um, and apparently that's one of the uh, key points that the MLB owners do not want to give up. Uh, their other thing that they also pulled out of their um, out of their uh, you know proposals was uh, the changes to revenue sharing. So that's no longer on the MLBPA's list. Right, and uh, just for those of you, if you haven't been following along, haven't been paying attention, that uh, those changes were actually that uh, 
the players association, uh, the players union did not want to have any sort of revenue sharing whatsoever. Uh, they kind of felt like that money needed to go back into the team. And, you know, MLB kind of feels like, well, if there's no revenue sharing, uh, you know, these lower tier market teams are going to suffer quite immensely. So, you know, just want to put that out there for those of you that didn't know. So, yeah. Um, so one thing that they have not rescinded was the ability for a younger player to get to arbitration earlier. So they want to push that now to two years instead of three years. So that will allow the younger players to get start getting paid earlier. Um, now, from, yeah. from what Evan Drellick says is that MLBPA basically either all of their all of the proposals from the owners or close to all of them uh, rejected every single one of their proposals. So that. You know that's that's taking a uh, a hard stance there. Uh, the good news that came out after the meeting today was that they are planning on meeting again tomorrow. So maybe, just maybe, they realize that 1994's lost games and lost regular season games, uh, the lost spring training, if they keep on prolonging this lockout is going to cause uh, bigger issues in this day and age than in 1994, which, you know, we've talked about this before, that 1994 did not uh, endear either side to a big point, a, a big number of fans that were watching baseball at the time and they lost those people. And a lot of people haven't come back. So uh, yeah, I, as a matter of fact, uh, after the 94 season was stopped, uh, abruptly mid season due to a player strike, because, uh, you know, the owners had been, uh, pretty staunch and set in their ways and the players just weren't having it. Um, viewership and attendance went down by uh, some estimates over 20% the following season in 1995 so uh, a lot of people still th seem to think that uh that has not fully recovered since so you know uh pretty big pretty big number and if something were to happen along those lines again this year uh i imagine baseball is going to be in a in a pretty bad situation for a long time after that yeah um We'll see. You know, let's let's hope that they put, you know, that they put their best foot forward and try and get this thing solved. Because I know that uh, everybody here, uh, especially, is starved for uh, MLB content and uh, actual MLB content, and not uh, fan or content creator generated um, MLB content. I mean, you know, be more than welcome to come here and get some of that uh, content generator, you know, some, uh, you know what I mean. You're welcome to come hang out with White Sox Daily Live, but uh, let's just hope that that's not all we're getting. 
Yeah. <laughs> Grimtall says, Ian, you got me back into your parents' Watching Louisa in 03 after we were working on the eclipse in the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Esteban Louisa. Can somebody give me his jersey? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Uh, do they even sell those anymore? <laughs> I, you know, I can't imagine that they do. If they, if they did, um, you know, it should come <laughs> with like uh, extra dust on it. Just for, just uh, for fun. I was going to say, do, do you get a, do you get an eight ball with that? Included for free. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, no, I Grimtall, I agree. You know, back in uh the late nineties, you know, I it just uh that did sour a lot of people. And um I you know, I'm guilty of that as well. Like I kinda uh paid less attention. I mean I didn't not pay attention at all, but I did pay less attention uh for a few years. Um uh, Pusher Robot says the strike has to end, so you guys have some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, there there is still some good stuff to talk about. Um, now, I did hear uh, Jesse Sanchez reported that the White Sox agreed to deals with Oscar Colas, uh, the non-pitching Cuban Otani, um, as... Colas has stopped pitching now. Um, But apparently they did agree to a deal with him, and they did agree to a deal with Eric Hernandez as well. Now, we hear that from Jesse Sanchez. However, we have yet to actually hear anything from the actual team itself, which I know that uh, James Fox mentioned this on Twitter that the White Sox always do this, and every year it's the same thing. Supposedly, the White Sox have signed such and such international free agents, and we hear about it from everybody else, and we don't hear about it from the White Sox for weeks. Nothing within the organization. It's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't get it. You know, last year was a perfect example with uh, the you know the the Yowelki Cespedes signing. Same thing. We heard about it for three weeks, maybe a month before there was actual any indication. And I don't even believe did, was there a, a, any kind of report that actually came from the team or did he just show up on a, on, for which on a one? roster somewhere? Yoelki. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't believe there was there ever actually a team announcement, a Twitter drop or anything like that. Or did he just, I feel like he just showed up on a, a, a transaction I, report I somewhere. Think that they it wasn't did, like they, an official. Well, see that that would even that would even be more than what we've gotten because if you look at their transaction page, it's not on there either. So that's the whole thing that just kind of drives me nuts is that at least if you saw it in the transaction report on MLB or even on MILB, I guess if you were to look there, it would you know at least you would have some sort of a confirmation, and you don't even see that. No, so I no. find that kind of just odd that they do this every single time and they did they did announce Cespedes at some point last year I don't remember when it was it but was like it, it felt like a, a it, it felt like an eternity after uh, the so basically it feels it, exactly right? like now I mean we're right. uh, like a week and a half out and we still haven't heard from the team you know we haven't seen any pictures of them sitting there in uh you know the normal thing where you see them sitting there with a white Sox hat and jersey on and them signing a contract with their parents we don't see any of that and the thing is is that uh, 
you know, I, I've heard that they've signed or, or that they were at least supposed to sign a few other, uh, a smattering of other international prospects, and yet we haven't heard anything about any of those, haven't seen anything on Twitter, and, you know, I I look pretty in-depth to find this yeah. stuff. And you bro. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, you know, like, like I'm finding, like, uh, U.S.-born free agents from other teams, like, I'm finding those deals and putting them up on Twitter, and, but you can't find any of the stuff from anywhere, you know, like, I don't see any international free agents, you know, stuff, so, you know, like, you heard that Jesse Sanchez report, and that's it, so, um, and Grimtel says it could be possible, maybe, that Colossus is an MLB deal. There is no way. Put, yeah, we got to put that to bed right now. Uh, yeah, there's no way. Every every single report that I have seen about this guy out there is he's two years away. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened. He might not be, but there's a lot of folks out there that seem to believe he needs some polishing. Uh, you know, then there's always the naturaliz- naturalization process that takes a little bit of time as well. I don't think, you, you know, know, I don't think then, that the naturalization process is is a thing for Colas. I think that the issue is the taxes tax. on uh-huh. his bonus. And that was the next thing. I was same thing that mind. happened with Robert. <laughs> same thing that happened with, you know, uh, that happened with uh, Norhe Vera. Happens with a bunch of these guys is that they stay in the DR, you know, so they can make more of a percentage of their bonus than if right. they're to uh, accept that bonus when they are residents of the United States, because then they end up having to pay United States rates on the taxes and it ends up screwing them. So you end up losing, you know, because they bumped back the signing date to January from July. Now you're not just losing from July to December and then they can start the next season. Now right. you're losing an entire year where they have to sit in the Dominican and play in the DSL. And you've gotten, you know, like we spoke about before, you got Norhe Vera down in the DSL pitching against 16-year-olds, you know, throwing him absolutely no good. Yeah, throwing 100 miles an hour and just blowing it right by these kids. And, you know, I mean, it's just... Uh, Colossus I mean, you know, 23, heard, Grimtall. Yeah, I you know, and I, I've heard people say things like, oh, that could be a confidence builder. Well, I don't know about you, but... Uh, if I'm doing that day in and day out and it's easy, that's not doing anything for my confidence. It's it's too easy. And uh then comes the the wake up call when you actually, you know, face some guys that can swing it a little bit. Yeah. I mean if I go up against uh some sixth graders, uh I have so, sixth graders uh, pitching to me. Guys any favors baseball needs to address. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If I if I'm if I, I I'm going against sixth graders, it's not a confidence boost for me. You know? No. So uh, that that's the way I look at it. Uh, Grimtall to uh, explain. So uh, Colas, a left-handed uh, outfielder, um, he has a powerful bat. Um, just uh, he played in uh, Japan and generally uh, thought of as a corner outfielder. Doesn't quite have the wheels to play center. Yeah, not slow. Not slow by any means. Just not considered a center fielder. Yeah, yeah definitely, a a, definitely a corner outfielder. Uh, you're probably looking at, uh, if we're lucky, right field. Um, but if we're unlucky, another left fielder, which is something that uh, I don't think this team really needs so much, uh, another left fielder. But, uh, you know, 
Um, well, they say he's got a big arm, so that's going to play well out and right. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, we we know about the other guy that we've been talking about, Uwalki Suspetis. Uh, much like his brother, his half brother, uh, he's also got a big arm. But uh, it sounds like Colas is probably the more polished and has the higher ceiling of the two. So, uh, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, it could just be that Colas uh, has played baseball more recently than Cespedes has. This is true. You know, this is true. But uh, you know. So there's that. Uh, there's also the uh, the Jake Berger news that came across the line last uh, last week that the White Sox asked Jake Berger to take some reps and uh, do some work for uh, second base for this coming up season. Yeah, I mean he, uh, you know, I'm not going to criticize what he was doing in the Twitter video because. It looked, you know, it looked like a guy that's not a second baseman by, you know, through his career is working on being a second baseman. That's what it looked like for me. And you know what? Yeah, the footwork was great. not great. I'm going to I'm going to say that right now. Whatever. But, uh, you know, like you I'm know, not I'm not a second baseman. I'm not a second baseman coach. And, let's just say that you know it, there was work being done and leave it at that. Yeah, clearly. I mean, for him to be comfortable there, it's going to take time. I mean, it's not something that he can just pick up right off the bat and just be. Uh, you know. I mean, he did get a couple of starts there last season, did he not? I had like thirty like something. It was like thirty something innings in double in uh, in AAA, I think, or something that he played okay. at second base. Yeah, and he made two errors on uh, on on pop up in the same game. Um, to yeah, it was like spot. an eight forty fielding percentage or something. Yeah, which, wasn't you know, good. Uh, small he did, sample size. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that it can't work, and that it won't work, and that he, you know, the guy is not supremely motivated and also talented. I mean, let's not forget that. Forget that. The guy was a number one. He was drafted in the first round of the MLB draft. The guy has talent, and. The guy can play baseball. Now, whether you know, I mean, mean, yeah, see, he's with everything that 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 kid has gone through with the Achilles rupture, and then shortly after rupturing the same Achilles in in mid rehab, and you know, and then the the battling the depression and that kind of the the depression thing kind of leaking out there to the world, and not hearing from Jake for a long time, and all the things that were said about him. You know, he's sitting in his basement, his mom's basement, eating pizza and playing Fortnite, and he's probably 400 pounds. And I mean, we heard it all. We saw it all. We read it all over the internet. You know, everybody had something to say. And uh, for him to persevere, you know, and then go down with the heel injury, you know, after uh, rehabbing that that, uh, that Achilles heel that I just mean, won't go away. Yeah. Yeah. And he misses an entire another season after that because of a, a, another injury. And, you know, it's been talked about. The guy talked about quitting altogether. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of people, his parents and a few other uh, people that reached out to him and kind of set him straight, and he went and got himself some help. And, you know, he makes his way up to the bigs. Uh, Dan Victor wrote a a great article uh, about him. And, uh, you know, if you guys haven't read that, I suggest you go check it out on uh, whitesoxdaily.com. There's uh, also uh, a 
podcast uh, interview of Jake Berger by uh, old Patrick Flowers as well in yeah. the archives. Yeah. So you can find that as well. Yeah, but lots of great stuff there. And, uh, you know, honestly, just to see him do the things that he's doing now, uh, I have to agree with you. It's not outside the realm of possibility that with his level of talent and his heart that he can't maybe make the transition. But I just find it awfully hard to believe that that kind of transition is going to happen in one offseason to where he's going to be a guy who can play second base every day at the major league level. Yeah. You know, you know the bat the bat's going to show, you know, it's going to translate. He's always had a good stick. You know, uh showed some signs of of doing some good things with the bat last season when he made his way up to the team. So mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be such a bad thing to have a a power hitting second baseman. It's 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 kind of a hot commodity these days. Uh, they're far and few between. So, you know, I don't know. I just I don't know how comfortable I would be if they said, you know, Jake Burgers are starting second baseman to open the season this year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you're essentially, <laughs> you know, if the White Sox do not go out and spend money on either a second baseman or a right fielder, you're looking at. Uh, and you're looking at Jake Berger in sec at second base, and then you've got uh, Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets in right field, and that's your uh, that's that's the the plan going forward. Um, there's going to be the some money will be spent. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so, I keep, so I keep hearing. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll you know we'll see. Uh, I do not want to let this pass without mentioning that uh Jake has started his uh his own uh website and uh soon to be podcast as well. Um I don't know if you guys caught that, but he's gonna be having a podcast and it's all going to be uh based around um mental health and um helping other people that are having issues and if if uh you know if they need help this is a website slash uh, podcast to try and help people to uh, help themselves and uh, you know better themselves and uh, help their help with uh, anxiety and depression and things like that. If I'm not mistaken, did he not start some sort of foundation as well? Burger bombs. Uh, is that what it is? Burger bombs. Yeah, it's called Burger Bombs. Uh, now, as far as uh, and it's on Twitter, and I don't have I don't have it readily available. I think it's like. Burger Bombs 30 or something or Jake, Jake Burger, Burger 30. 30. Jake Burger 30 on Twitter. Um, and he's also uh, teased that he is going to have another person from the 40 man as his co-host on this podcast. Well, that'll be fun. So no matter who it is, that ought to be fun. Right. And I've heard a few things. Uh, my first thought when I thought of somebody who has gone through a similar situation where they were having uh, issues coming back from injury and were having mental health issues, uh, the first person I thought of was um, Kopech because, you know, he had this big, long thing when, when he came back, you know, that he was... Uh, he took some time off for his mental health, and that's why he was gone for the uh, for the shortened season because he was out there working on himself and trying to improve himself. 
And uh, I thought that was a possibility. I've also heard somebody, you know, people say Giolito. I've also, uh, another person I thought of, because one of the things that Berger is uh, kind of talking about putting out there is uh, meditation. And uh, I thought about Dylan Cease, because he does a lot of meditation um, with his yoga stuff. So I also thought about that. So I don't know. I'm intrigued. Uh, I'll check it out, see what's going on, and see uh, see what happens, you know? Yeah, definitely be checking in on that one. Have you all seen the Rick and Keel documentary on YouTube? It's fantastic. I have not seen that. Um, can't say that I have a- Yeah, I'll take a look. Rick and Keel, that, that whole thing, that was another one of those just pitcher turned outfielder yeah just couldn't find uh couldn't find his command and uh disappeared and then he came back and he was an outfielder and uh Uh, hit a bunch of bombs and looked pretty good you know made a career of it yeah no definitely uh it's got to be it's got to be an interesting documentary it has to be so yeah absolutely all right so i'd say uh that's a. Is there anything else that you guys can think of that uh, that uh, that I forgot off the top of my head? That uh... um, there was a couple of uh, minor league signings that I think uh, we have. Uh, I, I think White Sox Daily has tweeted about. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of pitchers. Since we've been on last. Yeah, there's a yeah, nothing crazy. Couple of guys from the Mets. Um, Mets slash yeah. uh, via the the Rockies from last year from the. Uh, Arizona complex. One of them was uh, like a prep prep kid, seventeen year old prep kid or something. Uh, it uh, shows some signs. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but uh, uh, there's a hammer. Uh, the guy hammer. who was, I think that's uh, the yeah, kid. that was that was the guy. He was a twenty uh, first round draft pick, but he was given a uh, signing bonus signing uh, bonus in somewhere in the uh, two hundred yeah, eighty thousand. Yeah, it was way over slot and. Um, it's got uh, a a good curveball and cutter, and his fastballs okay. Um, one of the like scouting nineties on the fastball. I yeah, think. it's low nineties. I the thing I read about him, and this was written by a Met scout three years ago, that he had issues opening up his hips too early, so it kind of uh, not only a screwed up his uh, his mechanics for his command a little bit. It also took away from some of his velocity as well. And, you know, that's something that I read from a, a mount, a, a Met scout from when he was just drafted. So I don't right. know like where he's at at this point. Uh, I did see that in the Arizona complex league, I think he had something like a 1.3 whip and, um, so 1.03 or 1.3. No, I think it's a 1.3, but, uh, his, if I remember correctly, his, uh, his K to walk was okay, but his strikeouts per nine was was really good. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's oh, one it sounds of those like things. there's a little bit of a command issue, but nothing crazy. Yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens when when he when he pops up, and uh, you know, I'm sure that Dot and Zaleski will work with him, and you know, either. It'll work or it won't, and it's uh, you know there's been a, a bunch of minor league signings over the last couple of weeks, and it's not anything that's uh, crazy, but you know it, it's at least I feel happy that uh, 
that they're doing some work and uh, signing, trying to get some depth in the in the minors. And uh, if something sticks, something sticks. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, it's, it's just, just like, nice to see that uh, you know we're signing someone during this uh, you know lull in the action while yeah. we while we watch uh, you know grown adults fight like children. Or not watch because we're not really hearing much from either side, honestly. But uh, yeah, uh, you know there are some things happening, and I just kind of wanted to put that out there. We don't really have to get too in depth in it because, like you said, none of it's a you know major uh, talking point. Uh, most of the signings were either guys that were a little bit older and haven't done anything much yet, or uh, guys Finnegan. that are really, really uh, kind of young. Mind. Uh, yeah, Brandon I think Finnegan. he's like twenty seven or twenty eight or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. He and the thing is, he's he's had some success in the in the majors, um, but he's also had um, some some really rough times as well. And it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, "Well, can Zaleski or Dot or Cats Google work fix some?" Them. Yeah, you know, can yeah, Cooper <laughs> fix him? Yeah, you know, like can can they do enough to get him so he's in a spot to where he can be successful again? And you know, just like everything else with all these uh, minor league signings, is that you know it's something that you can dream on. You see stats from elsewhere, and they might have had success success elsewhere, but you know they got released for a reason, and they were available for a reason. Right now, whether that other team made a uh, a boo boo by cutting them, um, you know, like that's one thing I thought about with Hammer is that the Rockies cut him, and he was available after the ACL with them, which he pitched okay. Now you have to ask yourself, when was the last time that you really saw? I mean, you got Herman Marquez that's been good for them. And uh, but they, he didn't even he didn't even come from their organization though, right? They traded him. He was drafted by someone else, was he not? He might have been. I don't. I don't remember I like, off the top of my head. Uh, maybe I'm mistaking, but I, I could have swore he yeah. came from. But I mean, regardless, you know, the the Rockies are not known for their pitching, and they're not known for developing pitching or having uh, pitching with any longevity other than Marquez. I mean, they had John Gray. Um, you know, they, I mean, they've had a couple of guys that have been okay, but you know, as far as uh, they have Peter Lambert, um, yeah, they're but they're really not known for developing pitching exactly. within the organization. So, you know, is it possible that they screwed up and let somebody get away? Yeah, it's possible, but the Mets let them get away as well. So, and the Mets generally have uh, some some decent pitching. You know, so who knows? Sure. We'll see. It's a you know it's just like it's just like you think it is. It's a flyer, and if it ends up working out, it works out. If not, you know, yeah, teach him a cutter. Yeah, all Coop ain't here anymore, so that whole teaching him a cutter thing. Uh, <laughs> and Hammer Hammer already has a uh, from from what I understand, he he already has. If it's not a cutter, it is a uh, natural nasty cut on his fastball, but it could be due to the fact that his mechanics weren't really repeatable and that he tended to 
like his arm slot tended to move a little bit and his hips moved a little bit too much, which could could have been the reason why he had a, a cutter as well, but it could actually just be two four-seam fastballs. I guess one of the things we'll find out uh, if he sticks around and uh, and we'll see what happens. So uh, Talking about the Mets, I feel like, is a, a pretty good segue to stir the pot here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah. Um, do you do you want to uh, do you want to move to the uh, to the graphic now? How do you how do you want to how do you want to roll with this? Well, I was I was just thinking about I wanted to talk a little bit about you know as part of what we are about to get into with uh, you know the big talk right now the CBA and the lockout. Uh, you know, part of this is the controversies that have surrounded uh, what the players feel like are wrongdoings by ownership and MLB. And uh, I just wanted to take a second to, uh, you know, just have a little fun with one of the Mets players in uh, a Mr. Pete Alonzo. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have already heard about this, but, uh, you know, Pete Alonzo last year sometime came out and said that, uh, you know, he feels like, now we've talked about this on our show. I'm, I'm going to just back up a little bit here. And I'm going to say that we've talked about how we, uh, you know, we did some research uh, and and we've had some, uh, you know, physicists and or whoever they were, uh, scientists doing studies on on Major League Baseball. Astrophysicists, yeah. Astrophysicists, right? Doing uh, studies on on how the baseball has changed over the last couple of seasons. And uh, then we uh, we also touched on the article that came out uh, probably a couple months ago now about how uh, it was revealed that MLB used two different baseballs last season. And uh, I just want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, and I want to bring everybody back to the Pete Alonso comments about how in 2021, he says, and in 2019, 20, the year 2019, the baseballs were aerodynamically changed to fly or come off the bat harder and fly farther and faster in order to keep pitcher salaries down because that offseason there was a quite a large number of uh, big name pitchers that were going to be on the market and his he he asserted to the fact that uh baseball was trying to get their numbers going in the wrong direction to curtail their uh potential free agent contracts coming up now, fast forward to last season, and there's a handful of players uh, who have been saying things about how in 2021, since the uh, the story came out about baseball's changing midseason, that that was done to deaden the ball because there were more bangers, more hitters coming up on contracts and trying to curtail their earnings so i just want to catch your i just want to get a quick reaction and uh, we haven't heard much from xavier tonight so i don't know uh if you've thought on this at all but what do you i mean you know i know it's kind of comical uh there's really no proof of any any of this actually being a thing other than we know the fact that the baseballs did change yeah there's no there's no there's no no direct intent you know show of intent that that's why they did exactly 
Exactly. But right. I, you know, uh, it, uh, in that regards, it's kind of funny. But at the same time, I feel like it's not something that uh, would be outside of the realm of possibility. And I just want to get a quick reaction from you guys on that. So they said that they changed them twice. So they changed them one way and then changed them the other way. Right. Exactly. Now we know that in 2021, they actually changed the balls uh, mid season or, you know, at least uh, there were two different balls used. Yeah, there was a, there was a lighter and a heavier ball. Right. And, you know, MLB actually came out, uh, Mr. Manfred and company who owns the company that makes the baseballs. So there's another part of that situation that feels a little bit weird, right? So they could have Uh, better quality control. Right. Uh, And the reason that there were two balls last year was that it was just because of the the COVID-shortened 2020 season. uh, They were unable to acquire enough of the new 2021 ball for the season. There was supply chain issues, whatever it was. So they used some of the 2020 balls. And then switch to the 2021 ball or vice versa. I'm not exactly sure how that went, but, you know, that was the thing. We know they used two different balls last year. So I just kind of, you know, again, want to get your uh, your thoughts on that. You know, I'm sure there's some truth to it. I, I, I kind of believe that, like, you know, there's if someone thinks it happened, I'm sure they can find a way to figure out there's some truth to it, uh, whether it's um, at least for the one. The beginning part of that, not maybe not twice, was the reasoning for changing it back. But um, this the change of the ball seems pretty sudden. Like, why now? Why like why not ten years ago? Why is it suddenly now that they decide? Oh, we should we should do this. Oh, I'm uh, sure it was a ball. different ball ten years ago too. <laughs> oh, it hundred percent was. Hundred percent was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, that's the issue. But that's is a good that point, though, changing. is that the upcoming CBA and uh, with the uh, the contracts that were looming during those changes, seems like there would have been some reason for players to believe what Pete Alonso has come out and said. Uh, and then I also want to remind you guys that, you know, Rob Manfred is the commissioner, and, the, and I believe the commissioner is voted in by the owners association. Oh yeah, they're high. Yeah, he's owner. He's so owned he's, by the owners. He's basically, he's yeah. He he basically works for the owners. So just want to you know throw that in the mix of the conversation as well. Yeah. No. There's there's a hundred percent, um, a thing. Now, Pusher Robot says you sure. Now, this is what I was going to bring up. He says you sure it wasn't because pitching started to suck when they banned all of the sticky stuff in the previous season. Now, here's the thing is that there is a direct correlation between the lots and baseballs to when pitching started getting bad and when they banned the sticky stuff. It's like the, the lots of the... Uh, I can't... I'm trying to remember. I think it was that a lighter baseball... Uh, a lighter baseball came when they banned the sticky stuff if I remember correctly. And that lighter baseball traveled uh, traveled farther, if I remember correct. I, you know, it might be the heavier ball traveled farther. I can't remember what it was, but all I know all right, is so- that, that, that it, it was correspondent with, like, almost at the exact same time where the lot numbers of the baseballs changed. Well, let me, let me answer that question with another question then. If what you're saying is true, and I believe it is because I know you uh, – 
uh, doing your research. Uh, is that sw- is that that move to ban the sicky stuff when the balls changed? Was that done to mask the idea of what Major League Baseball was actually trying to do in limiting player salaries? Well, whatever it did, so it didn't work. To, it didn't. It didn't help the pitchers. That's for sure. No. No, it didn't. So you know, I don't really know which way to go, but it, it just seems like they're playing with some things. The changes that are being made between the ball, sticky stuff, and, and the rules that either hurt or help players in one way or the other, whether it's the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, pitching, uh, you know, I, I, just quit messing with it is my biggest thing. Yeah, no, no, 100%. And, and Push a Robot brings up that the spin rate dropped for a lot of pitchers. And you know what? That's 100% true. I'm not saying that, it's, that that part of it is not true. However... With Major League Baseball changing the physical baseball. Now, see, this is this this is supposed to be the one constant in this game. Is the baseball is supposed to be the same? And well, I mean, the base the actual name of the game. Yeah, and and <laughs> the baseball, the like the actual physical baseball. Uh, we did this on another uh, on another stream months back, but I had uh, a baseball from uh, a few years difference, and they're both from Major League Baseball. And the difference in the leather, the difference in the seams, the difference in the height of the seams, the width of the seams, the tightness of the leather on the baseball, I mean... It is texture, everything. It is absurd. Like you had to use something to get extra grip on this ball because it literally feels like a cue ball. It's like red marble with with red V's (laughs) painted on it all around it. I mean, it's it is insane how slippery this ball is. Even sitting at my house, not when it's getting dusty from being on a baseball field after it's been you know after i've sit here and you know doctored it up by myself it's still super slippery and i don't blame anybody for trying to get a grip on a baseball you know i mean not to mention you know when these guys are throwing these baseballs 98 miles an hour if it gets out of your hand you know, you're gonna have yourself a, a Dicky Thon like situation, or uh, you know, like when Eric Shaw, you know, plunk dude. You know, I mean, it's just there's there's I, I can't feel necessarily angry that somebody you know, like the spider tech thing. Okay, maybe you're going a little bit far when the balls stick into uh, Yachty's chest protector, uh, right. like yeah. an anti gravity piece. Okay, that. You okay, can see fine. guys pulling the ball out of their glove and their strings of yeah. uh, material, sticky material, yeah. being pulled I mean, away for, with it. it okay, you know. and, and like when you can hear it sounding like you know uh, two pieces of Velcro torn apart. Yes, okay, fine. Too much. But you know, there's there's got to be you know something, and you know they're like, oh well, you can use uh, rosin, but you can't mix the rosin with sunscreen 
but it's okay with your sweat. And then at the same time, we're going to change the actual physical baseball. And it's just like, you know, I can't, I can't take anything that they do serious because it seems like they're doing, they are doing something to manipulate the, the game. And then they're complaining about the pitchers trying to just be able to hold on to the baseball. Meanwhile, they're manipulating the actual baseball itself and making it so it's more difficult to hold. So, you know, like, I don't know. Anywho. So, yeah, I the whole thing, you know, is kind of a sore spot for me. Like, I the, the, the fact that the league is doing that is, to me, seems very uh, disingenuous to the game that they're trying to keep clean they own the company exactly they bought they the, own company, the company so, yeah that makes the ball there there's there is literally zero excuse for the changes that have happened now if we can't trust them to make a consistent baseball we can't trust them to be forthcoming about why these changes are being made and you know uh why they're you know if they the fact that they're being made at all when they can't make a consistent baseball that everybody plays with year in and year out if we can't trust them to do that how do we trust them to sit down at a negotiating table and be on the up and up with the players association yeah and you know and you know uh Grimtall mentioned it earlier that the that the players seem to have um, I don't know. I, you know, he seems to think that they have the upper hand in these negotiations, and I don't think that the players could ever really truly hold the upper hand in these negotiations to a point where it, you know, like they can't they can't bend the the owners over a barrel, no matter what they do. I mean, because they do not, you know, they're not receiving the money from the from the TV, you know deals they're not now, receiving the, from the stadium and all that stuff they're paid. the only thing i so. think the players have really going for them in their corner in that regard is the fact that in 1994 or i'm sorry uh when we had the replacement players uh you know we can talk about guys crossing picket lines or whatever but the replacement players was a, a huge huge hugely unsuccessful debacle uh, you know, you had guys that were 48, 50 years old, washed up ball players coming back to play ball, you know, for, uh, you know, one last time. And you had a bunch of minor leaguers that were never going to make it. You had guys working in pizzerias and grocery stores. You know, I, I, I watched a YouTube video and I'll talk more about this YouTube video a little bit later, but you know, in this YouTube video, they talked about a guy who, who was, a who was literally working in a pizzeria and had not played baseball seven years years seven years now you want to talk about knocking the rust off and this guy was paying he was playing major league televised professional baseball <laughs> so the only thing i think the players have in their corner on that is mlb knows that was a mind it was a major major follow-up on their end uh to not put a product on the field worth watching they lost a lot of uh a lot of viewership, they lost a lot of attendance, and they lost a lot of fans. And you know, there are some people out there I talk to that say 
they still have not come back. Uh, so that that's probably about the only thing I can think of that the players really have going for them. Uh, but, you know, it's a lose-lose situation because the longer they said nobody's making it. The owners aren't making any money. The players aren't making any money. So you got to feel you got to feel like they're going to come to an agreement at some point. Who I mean, wins? Hope. And who who wins? Who loses? Is is you know remains to be seen. But you know, there's got to be something at some point. It just depends on when. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it is it, at some point. You know, they're they're going to get this thing done. It's just uh, a matter of what kind of concessions are made and uh you know we, we've had this talk before that the players botched the last negotiations badly and they so have. now they're trying to recoup some of those losses and uh you know when they came out it was a hard stance of we're going to do this and this and this and this to get all this stuff back but now that you're hearing about what's actually happening there is that they're giving some back and they're trying to take back on, on certain other sides and, and, and we'll see, you know, well, and, uh, on that note, let's go ahead and get into this thing then. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because, you know, you hit on a point there that, uh, I, I kind of want to just go back to the beginning on and, uh, it'll roll right, roll us right into this, uh, the CBA thing. Uh, you know, as I said in my tweets, uh, this afternoon when we were talking about getting the show together, I did some digging, you know, uh, Ian and I both had some, uh, some time, uh, off with the, uh, the virus and, uh, had a lot of time on our hands. I spent some time in bed and really had nothing better to do, but dig as deep as I possibly could. And, uh, the few things that I found interesting and, you know, getting into the numbers, it's uh, at least I a little of, bit of the why, you know? Yeah. I'm going to get, I'm going to highlight, you know, the most important stuff that I found anyway, and I found a lot, but we're going to just hit on the major details here. So, you know, talking about what they're giving, what, what the players are giving up, what the owners have taken over the years, I'm just going to go back to 1968 real quick. So from 1968 to 1994, every single time a CBA expired, there was a work stoppage. 1968 to 1994 during those work stoppages it's pretty much looked at as like the players were the winners each and every time because their salaries increased and they they increased dramatically over that you know 26 year period or whatever it is um but now for a lot of people they're gonna go oh well you know players the players won well they won in a sense but the thing was was when you go back and you look at the revenue during those years they really kind of deserve that money because they're the product on the field. And if you go back to 1968, players weren't making anything close to what they were now. Owners were raking it in. The money was coming in. The players were not getting paid much. So they deserved to win each and every year and have watched their salaries increase. Now, but 1994, the reason that uh, you know players went on strike was because as that uh, collective bargaining agreement was coming up, the owners basically told them, we're not making any concessions anymore. We have been losing year over year or at CBA over CBA. So that's kind of why that happened. And I just kind of wanted to start with that history really quickly because, you know, it just shows you where the heads of the ownership is. So, like I said, I did some digging and, you know, over the last couple of months since this lack out has started, 
I've noticed that there's a lot of folks who uh, want to take the owner side, and I just can't find myself to do it, especially after seeing some of these numbers. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks out there that, that, that just feel like it's the millionaires versus the billionaires and vice versa, and I don't really care because I don't make that kind of money, and you're all greedy. <laughs> but when you're an entertainer, which what baseball players are, this is an entertainer. You know, sports is just another uh, genre of the entertainment in this in this country because we as fans go to, to be entertained. We pay money to watch these guys to be entertained and to uh, show them our fandom. So uh, Ian's put the graphic up there. Uh, I did some digging, but this this uh, Associated Press uh, study kind of really hit on some key points here. Since 2017, the average MLB salary has dropped 6.4%. Now, what that means is average overall, take all the players from the highest paid to the lowest paid, divvy up all that money, divide it up, you find the average. Since 2017, that number has actually gone down 6.4%. Total salaries across the board. So I really quickly, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that and, uh, you know, kind of see uh, where your head is thinking that well, how is this even possible when we, mean, know we know that, that the revenue gone. has gone through the roof since 2017. And I want to say that it's, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but I know that over like the last three years that it's like gone up like almost 100% or something over yeah. three years. Aside from the 2020 season, uh, the number eight. Matter of fact, let's do this. Since 2001, MLB revenue across the league has gone up threefold. It has tripled since 2001. Each and every year since 2001, it has set a new record, and most of them are, are healthy records. They're not small jumps in revenue. So a lot of it has to do with TV contracts, uh, but there is definitely uh, a big number, big big number of growth for MLB revenue owners and and the the uh, you know the organization itself. So looking at that and seeing that you know it's tripled in the last twenty years, yet player salaries are going down. Quite astounding, to say the least. Now, you'll look at the graphic and you'll see the next line there is the median MLB salary has dropped 30% since 2015. Now, you would think, Ian and I had this conversation before we uh, started the show tonight, and you would think that the median means the same thing as the average. But really what it is is it's kind of, you, if you take the middleman, the, the median salary is actually $1.65 million when you average out all the salaries all together, and that middleman... Anybody who meets that below or above, anybody in that in that bracket in the middle, is that is what's considered the median salary, thirty percent lower than it was just five six years ago. Thirty percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to think about where that number starting is. That it's starting at minimum salary. So. Right. It's no matter what, it's always going to be more than five hundred and sixty. But it's the the middle salary, you know, where as many guys are above this number as are below this number. So that's that's the difference, right? Right, and that's 
that's partially why you know it's dropped thirty percent. But then if you look at where that's your starting point is minimum salary. Your highest point is got to be well. I want to say Trevor Bauer because the guy's got the highest AAV uh, in baseball at the moment at thirty-eight million a year. I believe it is, if I'm not mistaken. Although you know he's not exactly playing at the moment. I don't. I'm sure he's probably not getting paid at the moment either. But you know, we talk about that. You want to talk about a guy who's making thirty-eight million dollars a year as opposed to a guy who five hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. And you come up with this median salary of one point six five million dollars a year. Uh you know, there's a, a huge, huge gap in you know, and it's almost like society today. There's the haves and the but the reality is is that uh, you know, if we look further down this list here, you'll see that the top one hundred players in twenty twenty one earn more than half of the entire total salaries paid out across major league baseball. 52.4% of salaries, 902 total people at the beginning of the year on opening day rosters last year. And the top 100 make 52.4%. And I would probably say the top 50 make somewhere uh, uh, like it's close to 40% of that actually. So the disparity is, is, you know, we can talk about owners and what they're doing and what they're paying, but there's also a little bit of a disparity on the player side as well. Uh, you know, you got the Scott Boris clients out there that are demanding these ridiculously huge contracts and leaving the little guy behind with no abandon. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on that as well. I mean, you know, it's mentioned in the chat as well is that, you know, that uh, teams now are a little less ready to go out and hand out those those big giant contracts you know you're not seeing those you know as many of those uh you know 10 year 350 million dollar like or you know no but we did see some pretty big contracts before the before right. the lockout yeah you no know, for they sure they weren't 10 for 13 sure. years like machado and, and harper but you know you're still seeing seven eight years for you know 300 million or you know guys will go out and get on they're, they're getting the, the the seven nine figure deals you know what i mean seven year nine figure deals they're out there okay well i mean just for just for ease of explanation here let's take the movie moneyball now Perfect. you can say it's hyperbole you can say that it's you know uh taking a, a very uh, vast uh, way of looking at things and, and encapsulating it in a, in a very short uh, story uh, via film form. You can say all that stuff. But the thing that is here is that the A's had no money and they needed to find a way to find value in players that generated wins. Okay, and so basically what they do is they collected a bunch of guys that they could pay almost nothing and put them together so they could generate wins. Now, the problem here is is that those guys are still making league minimum. Right. Now, they're doing big things for that team, but they're still like making league minimum. So with that in mind, you know, with with different things being valued – that aren't home runs, 
or uh, super high batting average or, uh, you know, I mean, just take take whatever yeah, pick. 100 stolen bases well, or. Yeah, you know, whatever, 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 uh, whatever uh, vanity stat that you want to use that drives up salaries. These guys don't do that. However, they do things to generate runs, and they are very productive. However, because they don't have those vanity stats, their salaries are not going up. And so the average salary is going to continue to do this if these guys are getting valued and you're letting other guys go unsigned, as we've been seeing over the last you know, seven, eight years where say what you want about the steroid era kind of going away and that the, the, the average age is going down for players, the guys that are younger are not getting paid more. Right. The guys that are uh, deemed to have a specific value but do not have these particular stats, their salaries stay in the same. You know, and it's so, funny that you bring that up too, because I believe it was 2018 that there was talk of players possibly striking. There, I believe there was a conference call between uh, some of the union stews and uh, Tony Clark uh, talking about a possible strike because the players felt like the it, you know this was I think it happened during the off season because of the slow, uh, the extremely slow hot stove in 2018 and uh you know the players felt like that maybe the owners had gotten together another uh another accusation of collusion where the owners are talking to each other about you know freezing these guys out into into february i mean we were in the mid late february before we started seeing some of the biggest names come off the board that year and uh it just felt like you know again owners are trying to freeze these guys out for lower dollar amounts so you know I, you know, we, it, over the last seven or eight years, like you say, the end of the, you know, we can talk about the end of the steroid era, but, you know, over the last three years, I feel like it's even more come to a head. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, is that, you know, I'm sitting here reading chat and like the majority of these messages here seem like we are. You know, in the chat, that that it's 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 for ownership, and that every single thing is because the owners don't want to pay these guys too much money. Yet it's a hundred percent completely acceptable for them to generate billions of billions and billions and billions of dollars, and for that money for that rate to keep going up and up and up and up yet the players salaries are just doing this or even going down you know what i'm saying i it, it to me is that you can't your revenues can't go up 30% over i, I think which i think is what it was over the last 3 years or whatever the 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 revenues have gone up 30% but salaries you know, is, is sitting here looking the at this graphic. salary has gone down 30% it, when revenues have gone up 30%. Yeah, it makes zero. Well, and that's, and that's, it's gone down 30% over six years. 
yet in the last three years it's gone up 30 percent you know and that the average mlb salary since 2017 has gone down six and a half percent now how is that possible that if they are making 30 percent more money which if you're making 10 billion dollars now you're making an extra 3.3 billion dollars but yet salaries are going down how does that make how does that make any sense whatsoever yeah well i'll ask this to the folks who want to say that you know okay so it's the owners that don't want to pay these guys let me ask you this question if you were at your job now most i be honest with you i don't know a job that doesn't normally do it unless you're like in a service industry but uh you know um most jobs you at least get a one to two percent raise on a pretty much annual basis if you know and correct me if i'm wrong but you know a one or two percent obviously doesn't keep up with inflation that's a whole different discussion we're not going to go down that road but just about everybody i know gets a at least a one and a half to two percent raise year over year in a in their regular job their regular field whatever it is they do you know me and you going out and getting in our car and commuting to work every day or sitting in front of our computer at home work these last couple of years whatever it is you usually get a raise these guys are going down. The company's making more money, and the average salary's going down. That would be like me going to work, and I'm telling me, you know what? You're not getting a raise this year. We're going to take a dollar off of your salary, off of your hourly wage. Do you think you'd be happy about that? Clearly not. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, to, to, you know, I'm. we made a lot more money this year, but we're still going to take money away from you. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get into it on here because I don't want to do that, and I don't want—I <laughs> want to cause problems for myself. However, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you know, if I see that a place is generating ridiculous amounts of revenue and still generating that ridiculous amount of revenue or more, yet they don't want to pay me anymore but yet i'm still doing the same work and the fruit of my labor is helping them make more money but yet i don't get a raise clearly i'm not going to be happy and that's that's exactly the thing and you know it's mentioned here in the chat he says that it's not players as a whole that are earning less as teams are going younger and the vets are earning more there are just fewer vets which Yes and no, because I mean, as as you see on the as you see on the on the chart, is that the top one hundred of play you know top one hundred players are making more than half of the salary. So it's not really you know. I mean, I I can't I can't say that that's necessarily true either, you know. And the vets are the younger players. I agree with that. Yeah, the vets are definitely they they do this with reckless abandon, uh, you know. And I get, I I get the want and and the feeling to you know say that I'm the guy who sells the jerseys on this club, I'm the guy who brings the fans into the stands. But you know, is it to a point where you know you should be three hundred eighty? You should be paid three hundred eighty percent more or more than the guy on the low end of the totem pole. Because that guy still plays every day like you do. Do you put 380% more 
out there. You put 380% more butts in the stands. I don't think that's correct. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So, uh, I think, uh, I think the players union has a point on wanting the younger guys to get paid more money, uh, you know, raising the, uh, the league minimum and, you know, but even raising the league minimum, you know, there's, there's the other line on the graphic there. 35% of players make less than 600,000 a year. That's 313 or three, I'm sorry, 316 players out of 902 that started on opening day rosters last year. That's a third. That's more than a third of your entire league. Makes less than 600K. And when you're talking about the, the, the league minimum being 560, you know, okay, we're going to give you a raise to 600. Uh, gee, thanks. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. That's really swell. Yeah, uh, it doesn't make any sense. And then, yeah, you know, there's the other number there. 60% of players make them less than um, less than a million a year. The, the disparity between the top end and the bottom end is pretty ridiculous. And again, my biggest point is, is uh, you know, you can't tell me that Bryce Harper, if Bryce Harper wasn't on that team, they're going to have a 300 and, you know, what, however many, he's making $30 million a year versus the, the guy who makes $1 million a year. He's going to have that huge of an impact on your, you know, your revenues. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, the whole thing is uh, just drives me nuts. And, you know, like the thing that, you know, I, I, I am happy that the Players Association does appear to be making moves to try and get guys that are younger more money earlier. And and, and that's the to thing. Is that, yeah, well, I mean, you know, if they if they get what they want, which is moving arbitration to two years instead of three years, <laughs> is that you know you're going to start getting a little bit more money earlier in your career which is the way it should be however like you know as was met, you know I've I've heard mentioned uh numerous times is that they don't want to pay players when they're getting older because they don't want to pay for past production but at the same time they don't want to pay the younger guys either for future production. Right, because, because they're not sure if they're going to produce. Yeah, exactly. And and the guy, you know, it's like for the most part, like the guys that are young enough, you know, they can't, uh, they, they've got no leg to stand on unless, unless the team goes out of their way to, to do an early extension with a player like, you know, the, like the White Sox have done. Um, is, I, I mean, the, the younger player really doesn't have a leg to stand on. You know, like they can't, there's right. nothing they can do. They're screwed. So. Right. And it just seems like a double-edged sword. You know, like yeah. you said, we're, we're not going to pay you for future production because you're getting old. I continue to use the way you have. We're not going to pay you for past production because, well, you know, we're just, we just don't want to because we don't have to because it's not in a freaking contract. Yeah. So, you know, and they don't have a leg to stand on in that situation as the way things are structured right now. And it just plain sucks. Again. Let's let's take this into the real world, the middle class world that you know most of us live in these days, and let's say that uh, you know you as as a, as a middle class worker going to your job every day and me going to my job every day. Uh, when I get a raise, it's because of my past production. 
it's because I showed that I earned it and I deserve it. Yeah, but to, but the thing is, is that yes, that's true, but the that past production is also not expected to decline once you hit thirty two. This is true. You know, closer to forty two. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, so, uh, I, I, get, I get what you're saying there, but still, you know, there, there's got to be some, there's got to be some middle ground in there somewhere that they can find. Cause it, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like they have a leg to stand on with those arguments. You know? Yeah. So, uh, thirsty fire, uh, 24 seven, uh, in the chat, uh, welcome, um, asks, when do you start pay equals performance? And that, see now that's the thing that this is this is one of the issues, uh, you know, that relates just to to what we were just talking about is that they don't want to pay for past production, thinking that they're not going to continue uh, with those same numbers. Uh, you know, at a certain point they don't want to do it, but you know, then because of arbitration and because of uh, you know free agency limits, you know, like when the player can actually hit free agency. They don't have to pay them for the first few years. So at what point does it become pay for production? You know? I mean, do you do, you do what the White Sox do, did and you sign earlier extensions to try and extend this? And, you know, like me and Xavier talked about this last uh, on the last stream uh, before I got the uh, Covis toe. And, um, you know, is it really worth it for a team to do these early extensions? Are they really saving themselves any money? Because when you look at the arbitration numbers and the production from a lot of these players is that there's not really a whole, like, you're not really, you know, the only one that we've seen so far that uh, with the White Sox, that's really been uh, a bargain as far as that's gone, has been uh, TA. And even to that point, you know, when you look at what the arbitration numbers are generating for people that are doing uh, relatively similar things at the same position, is that realistically, over these years that TA's been under contract so far, with the extension that they did, the White Sox have really only saved themselves like maybe $4 million over this, this contract. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I right. mean, is it really worth it for them to get out of, out ahead of it? You yeah. know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mention here is that there should be a base salary for all players based on the number of years you are in the league and I, and, and increasing bonuses for production. Yeah, and that's the thing is, yeah, is that that's one of the things I think is probably – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean that's one of the things that they that they that they're talking about trying to do in the MLB proposals is with you know say uh, say a rookie comes up and uh, that rookie is rookie of the year, he gets a bonus, and that bonus is in his next year's salary. It is like, you know if he's the rookie of the year, he gets an extra million dollars on his salary, so he'll be making one point five that year. And if he gets an All Star in the same in the same year. You know, say he gets like a two hundred and fifty thousand pay bump. You know, so now he's making one point seven five in his second year, as opposed to still Five, making five hundred and sixty thousand right. dollars a year, which is just insane because you know he is way overproducing for 
the money that he is getting paid. And if he has to say this guy's 25 years old, you know, now he has to wait until he's 31 years old to uh, to to get out of his arbitration. He's going to be a free agent finally, and he's going to go sign his deal. He's going to be 32 the next year, and now the team doesn't. Yeah, the right, team's like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a contract for, you know, like we'll give you a four-year contract, but we're not going to give you that long deal because, you know, once you get hit like 36, 37 years old, you're going to be falling apart or your your production's going to start dipping. So at what point, you know, is it, you know, th- there has to be some sort of a compensation for the younger players for the production that they're putting up. And right now, arbitration after three years, well, that's cool. You know, that in the first year of arbitration, uh, even though uh, for the first three years I've already put up the production of an all-star player and, uh, you know, like, you know, say for Kyle Tucker, you know, the guy... The guy's got like a 200 WRC plus in the last, you know, like uh, seven weeks of the season last year, and he just absolutely dominates, and... You know he's going to go into arbitration, and his first year arbitration, he's going to get like four million dollars. You know, besides the fact that he's producing or outproducing a guy who's making twenty million dollars a year, that's a, that's a little bit older and already got their free agency deal. You know, and then the yeah, second well, year it'll go I mean, up a little bit, and then the third year it'll finally open up, and he'll be making you know like in the teens or something like that. But I mean. You know what I'm saying? What's the, the formula for war? They usually say it's like seven and a half, eight million dollar. Yeah, it's like eight million war. per war, I think, or something yeah. like that. And, you, and or, you've got the, you've got these twenty three and twenty four year old guys like going that. out and putting up, you know, five and six war, uh, eight, eight war, you know, a la Ronald Acuna Jr. or you know Juan Soto or whatever. Yeah. And they're you know you're talking about guys that haven't signed extensions or you know still working on rookie contracts, and even in arbitration aren't getting anything close to eight million a war. <laughs> Per war, not even close. And they, these guys are getting, you know, big arbitration numbers. There are a handful of guys out there that are bigger arbitration numbers, but nothing close to what, you know, they're not getting Manny Machado deals. They're not getting Bryce Harper deals. And nor should they. I, I think those are, you know, I think those should go away. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think these guys that are producing like that should be getting more than, you know, 500,000 for making. Yeah, you know, an all-star team. That's exactly it. Is that there? There has to be some sort of a compensation for what these guys are producing that is above average. You know, because if the bottom of the line guy, if a guy like throw this guy out there, Yonder Alonso is going out there and making <laughs> like four million dollars or whatever, you know, or you've got Nomar Mazzara who's making $2 million. Oh, and sorry. meanwhile, you've got some rookie, you know, like let's uh, throw out, you know, you know, like whoever, you know, like Juan Soto comes up as a rookie, you know, and the guy's hitting 315 with like a 140 WRC plus, and the guy's making $560,000. And you know what? The Nats have absolutely zero motivation for the next two years to give him anything more than that $560,000, unless they think they're like, you know what? We want to have, we, we, we want to try and butter him up a little bit. So he'll resign here. So, uh, you know, 
will sign them to this early extension and it'll give them a little bit of money up front. But the early extension, if they waited till their arbitration, you know, would end up making some more money because as the years go by, the amount of money and the the deals that are there keeps on going up. So, you know, those arbitration numbers are, are going to go up, you know? So, I mean, it, it's, it's, no matter what's going on here, there there, there needs to be some sort of uh, they they need to meet in the middle somehow. And like, from my personal opinion, you know, like I'm sitting here looking at it, adding one extra, you know, getting to arbitration one year earlier, it doesn't like that doesn't say to like that doesn't say fair to me, you no. know, not at all. Uh, who gets paid more international or American players as far as entry-level contra- uh, con- contracts? So, Thirsty Fire, it used to be that the international players generally made more because, uh, you know, if you remember uh, Luis deal, Robert, right? um, when when he got his uh, when he got his deal, um, he got a, you know, he got, what did he get, like $50 million? Uh, some, 52. Somewhere close, yeah, $52 million. And... Yep. Uh, and uh, that was the last one. Now, right after that, they put a cap on all the on all the international free agent signings. Lewis Robert actually only got twenty six of that because it was a fifty percent tax on that. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, another conversation. You know, because he played in the Dominican Republic, and you know, obviously he's not paying fifty percent tax because it's not the lottery. But I mean, you, you know, I mean, like he's you know he's getting like seventy five. 80% of it or whatever. Well, no, it, it wasn't him paying the tax. I think it was part of it was the oh, White yeah, Sox. Oh, yeah, yeah, the White Sox have to pay the league tax over. of 50%. So you're right. So it was right. 26, and then I think he got like something like 20 or something like that after tax. Whatever. I mean, regardless. Right. Either um, way, he did okay for himself. Yeah, in, no, he did great. In the international yeah. signing period. But he was the last, he was the last one. Right. Yeah, he was the last one. After that, uh, after that year, uh, they put a cap on the spending, and I think it's uh, the most one guy can get is it what is it five million? I that I am not one hundred percent five hundred percent sure four five point six something like that. I think yeah. it's believe five and six. Well, I know that that's that's probably isn't that what the the top teams get for their whole uh, for their whole international signing bonus is like five point six. I think that yeah I don't yeah know. maybe that's what it is. I, I'll total, have to look that up, but regardless, you know. So yeah, but now. Uh, the top draft picks in the draft, they are making like 10, 12 uh, from college, you know, like uh, Lighter and uh, Adley Rutschmans and stuff like that. Those guys are making like 10, 12, 15 million dollars signing bonuses right off the bat. And uh, so now they are making more money. Um, and yeah, the and international it's usually players like the, only worse. like the top three picks every year, year in and year out. It's like, yeah, if you're not drafted one two or three you're not getting that kind of money and a lot of those two and three guys aren't getting that money yeah and if your name's kumar rocker you aren't even getting signed (laughs) so (laughs) that as well so um yeah so anyway uh yeah that's that's what that's where i'm at as far as i look at this is that there has to be like some sort of concessions made i i just don't and and i know that it's a uphill battle and that you know, because the because Tony Clark and that players union has made so many concessions in the last couple of deals that they've kind of screwed themselves. That now they're having to cat, you know, they're having to 
claw and scratch to try and get some of this back and how much are they really going to get back and how motivated are the owners going to be to to give up you know and that's the other thing too I, I i feel like they're trying to get everything back all in one agreement and the reality is, is if you look at the cba the history of the cba going back years and years and years and years uh you know it seems to kind of go in ebbs and flows where you know three, four, five uh, CBAs go in favor of the owners, and then the next three or four or five go in favor of the players. So, you know, I think eventually what's going to happen is both sides are going to make some concessions on what they are talking about they want at the moment. Uh, I don't think, and I, I really just think that, you know, we've talked about posturing. Uh, you see it all over, you know, internet and in in social media there's there's posturing on both sides of the ball uh both sides are know they're gonna have to make some adjustments to their proposals it's it's just one of those things it's how you negotiate but uh the reality is is i don't think i think the players union has got to kind of stand their ground as long as they can on some of these issues but they're not going to get them all now but they have to have a win of some sort in this cba so that they can continue that uh, momentum, you know, and it's going to be, you know, four or five years, whatever the agreement is coming up here, but it, it's generally about five years, every, every agreement. Uh, and I think, uh, they're going to have to make, they're going to have to make some headway here to continue that momentum into the next CBA. Yeah. They can't continue to take L after L in every, con- in every CBA, you know, it, it just can't, they can't keep on doing that. And, you know, and they have since 1994. They have taken loss after loss after yeah, loss. And I, yeah. And there has not been a, a a game, a regular season game missed in that time. So I think they're going to be pretty uh, headstrong about what they've got going on this year. Uh, again, I talked earlier in the podcast about this uh, this YouTube video that I watched a little bit, uh, and it covers a lot of what we talked about here today. I suggest you guys go check it out. Uh, it's a YouTube channel called Baseball Doesn't Exist. Uh, it's usually it, it's kind of quirky. There's a you know the, the guy that runs the channel kind of uh, you know follows a lot of weird and, and strange happenings. But uh, this particular video I think is is titled something like uh, "Why Baseball Will Be Canceled in 2022," which he goes on to say he doesn't think it's going to happen. But you know it's just the uh, tagline that he uses. Uh, but it breaks all of this down. Uh, it's a really good breakdown. I think you guys should go check it out if you get the opportunity. It's about uh, 16 minutes long or so. Um, but uh, and I, I also wanted to add that uh, you know recently I read something I can't remember where, but Rob Manfred, Rob Manfred, the same guy who in 20 came out and said. I am 100% confident that a baseball season is going to be played this year. And a week later, he came out and said, I'm not feeling really good about that. Which is part of why uh, Ken Rosenthal was uh, fired from uh, MLB Network. Or not renewed, I should say, whatever it was. His contract was up. They did not renew him because he criticized Mark Manfred for those comments. But uh, I was just reading somewhere recently that Rob Manfred but again, this year, he's not confident that a season will happen in 2022. Guys, so, uh, you know, let just keep that in mind. Uh, I wouldn't read into it too much, but like you said, the guy's a 
I have a few other choice words, but we'll keep it clean on Twitch yeah, here. Yeah, complete and total stooge. The guy, the guy's an idiot. Um, he's got no business being the commissioner of Major League Baseball, other than the fact that he kowtows to uh, to the owners. And, oh, and that's uh, all it is. He's a yes man to the owners. Yeah, he's just Xavier. We there. haven't heard much from you tonight. You got you got any stuff? What's your feelings towards the CBA and uh, you know how things are kind of playing out in front of us right now? Uh, you know, this is kind of mean, but uh, I can't believe we taught people uh, what median and average meant today. Uh, but, you know, anything to help people understand those terms. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it would seem that average and uh, median would almost be the same thing, but they're not. <laughs> this is a, a learning podcast as well, I guess. Um you know, not much else to say on it. I just, I'm just, it's, I'm getting bored as much as everyone else is. Like, this is supposed to be such an eventful time for the White Sox. So they have to, like, like we're in, like, a waiting room. And we're waiting to be called upon. And we can't be called upon until all these paperwork things need to be filled out. And we're still stuck in that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating. Uh, then we said it looks like so they, they met today, Monday, and they're supposed to meet again Tuesday, I think. Correct? Uh yeah, they're meeting tomorrow. Yeah. They're meeting again tomorrow, yeah. But at least it shows that like not like waiting long periods of time. Who knows how long these things last tomorrow, but hopefully it's a sign that they're <clears throat> trying to work things and figure out what they like, what they dislike. Have yeah. you seen anywhere, like, what, like, the main priority? Do they have, have you seen anywhere, whether it's, like, 1A, 1B, 2, 3? Um, not as far as an agreement, but I, uh, I do know that uh, the Players Association dropped um, service time uh for free agency and they also dropped uh their request for uh revenue sharing to end so that was like two major issues that the mlb owners were trying to hold on to so the fact that those got dropped and the only thing that uh that the players association really seems to be going for now is uh adding that extra year of arbitration which you know like i said to me like whoopity do. No, as a fan, I gotta say that I think the uh, the revenue sharing thing it probably favors us as fans as well too. You, you know, you, you unfortunately there are some small market teams out there that need that revenue sharing. But but uh, but you, you gotta you be able say to that, that. But that's, <laughs> that's you say that, but that's not true because if you look at the Pirates, their payroll is like fifty million dollars. They make more than that. In the revenue sharing that they get, and they're spending less than they're getting from the other teams on their payroll. So all of those people that come to games in Pittsburgh, and all of the money that they, you know, all of the money that they spend on concessions and that they pay for whatever they're paying for yeah, merchandise or whatever, it all is, of yeah. that money is just going straight to the owners, and they're not spending any money out of pocket for their payroll. Right, but if you take that away, what I mean, what incentive does the does the team have? Who cares? Don't own more? a baseball team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, 
I'm just saying, as fans, you know, you might see a uh, you might see an even a, a bigger reason to tank. I sell the team, dude. If you don't have enough money to own a baseball team, sell the team. Yeah, I I, I don't do, disagree. I as a I'm fan of my baseball team, if you cannot afford to field a competitive team, I do not care. Sell the team. Go away. You know? Is I'm if, sure the people of Pittsburgh would agree with you. They absolutely do. They're embarrassed, <laughs> as they should be. I forget you what know? that guy's name is. What's his last name? Like Nibbler or something like that? What the heck's his uh, name? I don't know. He's an old guy, too. Yeah, and they don't oh. spend. Like, he doesn't. He literally it's spends right no money. And he keeps his payroll so low. And shocker a payroll that's below 50 million dollars without a development system like the Tampa Bay Rays gets feasted on and yeah so now there's, that's actually an argument for a salary floor yeah in my opinion. no I 100% agree I, there should be and the fact that this, that that is um probably not going to end up being a thing is absurd because the thing is is that by doing that Yes, I, I've heard the argument saying that, well, it's not really going to make a dent if somebody, you know, if the Pirates take on uh, Dallas Keuchel's $18 million and they take on Kimbrell's, you know, money. If they took both of those guys, then they would just be taking that just so they'd hit the salary floor and they're not going to be any better, which, okay, maybe that's true. But at the same time, guess what? That means that opens up that payroll for the other teams to spend money. On other players. Yeah, it, you know, it, it makes... It comes back to the players one way or the other. Yeah, and it makes for, okay, so you've got a crappy contract. Well, guess what? This team, they need $15 million so they can hit their salary floor. Okay, cool. Take my crappy player. Here's your $15 million. Now you hit your salary floor. Awesome. Now the other players of can say, get You know, you don't have to can give get me paid. much back for them. You don't have to give me much back for them. You're just taking yeah. that salary off my book so I can go spend it on somebody else. Exactly. Pay it, get somebody else that will be more productive than this guy that I've got that's a, that's a, a an expiring contract, you know? <laughs> it, it, you know, I mean, it's just like I I I have zero uh I have zero pity for a baseball owner that owns a MLB franchise. I have zero pity for him that he thinks that his market is too small for him to spend money. I do not care. I don't. He should have to sp- you okay, so you make uh you get your revenue sharing because you're a small market and regardless of whether your team does good or not, you still get that revenue sharing for the most part. So are we back? Yes, you you, yeah, you, there you are. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just saying, you know, like I, I don't, I, I have zero, zero pity. Spend money. Hey, I don't disagree at all. I was just throwing some stuff out there to play yeah. devil's advocate. Uh, and this is why we do this. I want to get your opinion. I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Uh, and I love hearing what the chat has to say about it as well. Yeah, I mean, it says you cannot care, but that does not change the reality of business. You know what? The league as just a uh you know when you have a repeat offender owner 
who's consistently doing this over and over again and complaining that he doesn't have any money, yet he's accepting all of this revenue-sharing money and doesn't put out any of his own money for his payroll, that is in bad faith for the business. So I can say, yes, that it does change the reality of business, is that he's not doing business in good faith for the benefit of the league. So in my opinion... I have zero pity for him. Sell the team or spend some money. Yeah, that's why there yeah, should be the a... That's my only why, thing is, is I don't think anybody's ever going to hold those guys accountable kind of Yeah, situation. it's an old boys club. But I, but right. regardless, I have zero pity for him for, for what he's saying. And I feel bad for the Pirates fans because of that. Because that that is just absurd that the guy makes more money from revenue sharing than he spends in payroll every year. So he's actually making he's actually turning a profit on revenue sharing and not putting out any money of his own. It's it's insane. So eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> I a- no, I, I don't yeah, I don't well yeah, I understand that I don't have to feel bad or pity pity them. How about this? I just don't care. Shut up and go away. Spend money. Or spend don't. the money. Yeah. You have to spend money to earn money. Either they spend money or fans are going to stop going to games. Well, yeah, I mean, until, you know, except for the fact that, you know, PNC is a absolutely wonderful place to go see a baseball game. So people go there because it's a really nice place to go see a baseball game. Even if they don't like that team that plays there, they still, you know, and you, know, you got the, the lifelong suffering fans that just, they love the Pirates and they've got a crappy owner. What are they supposed to do? There's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, so. and you can't even say mired in mediocrity because yeah. really, aside from a couple of uh, teams, you know, four or five, six years ago, when when Kutch was still, uh, you know, Kutch, and they were competing and and going deep into the you know, the standings and 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 hitting some playoffs. Aside from those couple of seasons, there they have been bottom of the barrel for a long time, a yeah. long time. They are yep. the dregs. Yep, you know. A lot like San Diego was before this, you know, new ownership group came in. And look at their fans now. Their fans are ecstatic. They got themselves a new stadium. They got themselves some players. They got themselves a new area around the ballpark. And things are thriving over there. Yep. They got a GM that wanted to just, you know, you know, we can say spend stupid money and literally stupid money, but the, uh, the fans are pretty happy with what's going on over there. So, uh, you know, just a couple of examples. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys real quick. I know we're probably running out of time here, and I don't yeah, want to change gears too quickly. But uh, has anybody heard anything about this grievance that was filed in 2020 about uh, the players' union? The Chris when, Bryant? You, uh, no, not that one. The the, the union as a whole. Uh, if you guys remember correctly, uh, when the season was shortened to roughly a third, uh you know, the original agreement was if you play a third of a season, you get a third of your salary. And, yeah. you know, they said, okay. And I think it was like a week or two later, you know, Manfred made the announcement that uh, owners weren't going to have that. You know, first there was an agreement that the owners sounded like they were on board with that. You know, I there was an agreement. Yeah. And the I'm, I'm the I know the players union filed like a $500 million agreements against uh, MLB. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have I'm to. I'm sure it's still ongoing. But see if you can find something. To, send it to me. I'm, I'm, they were uh, asked to uh, accept less than a third, and the owners dragged it out basically. On you know, because all they really wanted was to shorten the season even more, so that they had to pay these guys less. So, 
Oh, we get 60 games. 60. Yay. Yeah. I don't know. I just figured I would ask and see if anybody heard anything about that. Anybody in the chat knows, uh, hit us up on the, on the, on the old tweet box or, uh, hit us next week in the, in the chat and let us know if you guys know anything. I'll uh, keep digging on that as well. Yeah. Um, I think it was a it was a good conversation uh, about this uh, nonsense uh, CBA thing that's going on, and uh, you know, I I think that I really the, uh, just the, wanted to get into the numbers. I, I mean, yeah. this has been bugging me a lot. Yeah. That you know, I see the different opinions out there. I see the you know, and then there's a lot of the people that are just tired of it. You know, billionaires and millionaires fighting, which I can understand that as well too. But you know, the reality is, is we needed to get into these numbers and kind of show why things are the way they are, and. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there's I, definitely. I just don't think a lot of people understand exactly what's happening here, and I wanted to kind of get that out there. Yeah, no, there's definitely a reason for them to be upset now. How much of that is uh, is due to, you know, uh, oh wow, Minnesota Twins just signed a Rod, Alex Rodriguez. So there's that. Uh, not that, Al- <laughs> not, not that Alex Rodriguez. It's no. uh, some catcher before we free, free agent before we start uh Rodriguez. getting the the the, uh, the the tweets about uh you know oh here come the replacement players <laughs> yeah let's hope not um yeah but uh you know i i think that obviously there is uh you know when you look at those numbers you can definitely see that there is room for grieve you know a grievance from the players uh and you can definitely tell with seeing those numbers that that you know the the they're their uh, representation kind of dropped the ball in the last couple of CBAs, and that's uh, fairly evident over the last, you know, especially over like the last five, six years where you just start seeing these uh, salaries start to dip a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's what they get for uh, taking care of the superstar players and not taking care of the younger players. And now that... uh, the ownership has started to figure out that, hey, these guys aren't on roids anymore, so they're not playing until they're 44, so we're not going to give them contracts until they're 44 anymore. Oh, uh, speaking of which, you know, while during this lockout, there's uh, there's no medicals being done. There's no steroid testing, no off-season steroid testing happening. So, Ooh. Yeah, so, uh, mm. yeah, that's true. Let's hope uh, best shape of their life. Spring training, best shape of their life. Just saying. I'm not I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily for uh, I mean, you know, I mean, Luis Robert already looks like a a Mack truck anyway, so right. um <laughs> Uh so yeah, I think go ahead and call it for the uh call it for the evening. Barry Bonds. Yeah, his head got bigger anyway. And before uh, we finish uh, What do you have, Zay? Tomorrow, tomorrow is they announce I'm correct. The Hall of Fame. Who makes it? Who do you guys think will make it? Uh, well, this isn't fair, but I actually saw on B Network that uh, the voting was done, and uh, I think uh, I, you know I don't really remember exactly. But, uh, there was like eight or nine guys that uh, that got the vote. Yeah, I mean, so I, to, to be honest, I don't really care. I want Burley to uh, to to make it, but that's not going to happen. And, Pretty sure you know, Bonds got the vote this year. I think he. I think he should. You know, the guy was a beast before his head got bigger, and uh, 
you know, still great. Uh, but you know, whatever. I think uh, Burley finished with eleven percent. Hey, that eleven uh, percent. It lives to see another ballot. Yeah, hell, yeah hell, it means he's, that means he sticks sticks uh, yeah. until next year. Yeah. I mean, Sammy Sosa know. officially drops off. Oh, did he didn't make five percent? Uh, no, it's just it was his last year of eligibility before he goes on the. Uh, oh, before he goes to the uh, the, the five year plan. Well, that's hmm. <laughs> hmm. Or whatever it is, or whatever he got, whatever you know, the next tier is or whatever. He falls off until yeah. The uh, the I forget what that committee's called. The uh, not the Golden Age Committee because that's the uh, one that Minnie got. Um, I forget what the other one is. Um, yeah, but it's for guys that have been around a little bit too long to be on every year, basically, is what it comes down to. I forget what it's called, too. But so, yeah, I would say if Bonds get in, gets in, why not Sosa? Because Sosa was not good before Bonds was. Yeah, Bonds Bonds had 400 stolen bases and 400 home runs before his head grew yeah. an inch and a half and his feet grew four shoe sizes. Hmm. So. Yeah, McGuire, McGuire, I could do without. Uh, McGuire, I'd say no. Clemens, I'd say yes. He was a stud in, uh, you know, for 10, 11 years before before uh, it's alleged that he actually used anything. So I, that's, yeah, that's Clemens, I think, was just trying to hold on to his youth. He wasn't yeah. trying to get somewhere. He was good before he got there. Yeah, from what I understand is that it was used more as a regeneration thing. Right. And not as a uh, going from being garbage to being good, you know? Right. So they could have been easily using when they were young, too. Well, I, any, I, I mean, yeah, you could say maybe, that about but, anybody. I mean, realistically, I mean. Let's, but whatever. let's just say this. Frank Thomas put on, you know. 60 pounds yeah from from his uh from his I mean, uh, he was massive when he was when he was at auburn he put too, on, but. right he was well i mean he played tight end. he was a starting tight end for the auburn football team but yeah you know he put on 60 65 pounds between his his you know his debut to the day he retired but his head his hat didn't grow you know three sizes and his shoes didn't shoes didn't grow you know four yeah shoe i sizes, mean so. whatever i i, uh, I yeah i'm not dying on this hill for any of these guys yeah, no, it's not even worth going to get well, into. Well, I game. agree that Shoeless Joe and Pete Rose should be in. So, yeah, let's let them in, too. Um, I, I also agree. You know, there's a lot yeah. of people that argue against Pete Rose. You know, he's this, that, or whatever, pedophile. Blah, okay, blah, blah, blah. all right, all right. So, while you say that about uh, Pete Rose, uh, you know, bet on baseball, well, now we're talking about uh, Major League Baseball having deals with uh, sports books and having sports books in their stadiums. So, you want to... You want to talk about Pete Rose betting on teams. You want to talk about Joe Jackson is accepting money for playing in the World Series, and it can't even you know or you know not he, really, yeah I mean actually. the only his one stats really. were great. So I, I'm just you know like you want to complain about that, but then DraftKings is going to have you're going to have uh you know DraftKings sports bar. At U.S., you know, or at uh, a guaranteed rate, and that's going to be totally cool. But Pete Rose, you bet on a baseball game on your team to win, so you can't be in the Hall of Fame with your four billion hits. Like, you know, give me a break. You know, I it's, think it's just been silly. At White Sox games, there's like 
one of their graphics that they toss on their big screen has to do with like baseball player stat and then what would happen if you were to bat each time that happened or something along the lines of that that oh, yeah. they show. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that's also another thing, you know, like how we're sitting here talking about uh, you know, things that are coming up in the CBA is that this betting stuff it's coming to these stadiums and I you're going to be able to do it live and in person. There's going to be a window that you can walk up to and do it on the spot. You know, but you can do it right on your phone from wherever you're sitting at, you know. So it doesn't really matter. But I, there are stadiums that have these windows already available. I mean, I'm not saying that I have insider information. Well, oh, because you work at a I uh, yeah, betting I facility? Well, you know. Uh, I'm not saying that I have inside information, but, uh, you know, if uh, a sports book in the city was to happen to open up at Wrigley Field, uh, like is, uh, you know, has been suggested by uh, a few people I know that do work in the industry, um, you know, if the sports book opens up at Wrigley, like uh, it's said that the government in the city of Chicago wants, uh then at Wrigley, you're going to have a sports book in the stadium. There are already stadiums that have it. Yeah, I mean, here and you're gonna you're gonna talk about you know keeping the the Black Sox out of you know you know completely out of baseball. Like, come on, give me a break, man. You know, just saying. Anyway, yeah. Source subject yeah. for me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm with you. I'm it's with just you. Hi- it's uh, hip- hypocrisy. That's all. Yeah. Well, you know, they're going to say things about Pete Rose, no matter what you put out there. Uh, and it, it it goes beyond the the betting. You know, you're just going to say he's a terrible person because he was, you know, uh, in cahoots with a minor while he was married. And yada yada yada. And yeah. Well. You know, I just want, he, he, you know, he doesn't get a recognition. He he should be recognized for his accomplishments on the field. That's, yeah, that's my point, is that it's the, it's the, you know, you know, he, he's the, the career leader for hits in baseball. So just my two cents, you know, it's like, uh, I'm not saying that he's a great person. I'm saying that he got a lot of base hits and that part of it was pretty awesome. The rest of it. Yeah, okay, fine. He sucks. He's a bad person. But, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, WhiteSoxDaily.com. At Daily White Sox on Twitter. Um, I am going to be uh, definitely having uh, Dan Victor on from uh, that that does do stuff uh, with us uh, for prospects. He's definitely going to come on a stream here. Uh, slash uh, slash podcast, and uh, we're going to talk some prospects, and um, that's yeah, coming up uh, relatively the, soon. I didn't see him in the chat tonight, but uh, Donuts Thirty Three, I think, is going to be joining us one night as well too. Our very Roger own Mark Orr. Um, yeah, so um, we got some cool stuff. I, I know that I I have a couple of other people that I've been talking to as well uh, about coming on, and uh, I just got to. Throw that out there and get that uh, get that ball rolling. But um, like to thank everybody for coming into the chat and talking some White Sox or 
MLB baseball as it was today because there was a lot of MLB stuff. But um, I'd like to thank you for coming and uh, watching and hanging out in the chat. And um, I guess we'll call it for the evening there. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, Danny Miller and Xavier Sanchez, uh, take a look. Thanks for the bits there, Dalstake. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so uh, we will uh, catch up with you guys next week, uh, next Monday. Um, and like I said, there might be another one coming up here at another time because I know Dan uh, has like a uh, pretty crazy work schedule. So, uh, But we'll put it out there on Twitter if you're not following us on Twitter, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. And um, uh, this will be in podcast form, available on uh, any podcast form that uh, any podcast site that you go and normally get your podcast information from, um, go ahead and go take a look. And uh, thanks, and we will see you guys next week. Night. Nice.